What is up, everybody? It's Andrew Undum, real estate agent here in Baltimore with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. I have got a list of guests coming that are gonna really knock your socks off. If you're into real estate, sales, negotiation, marketing, leadership, wealth building, you're gonna wanna subscribe to this podcast. I can't wait to take you on the journey with me here with the Andrew Undum Podcast. Welcome back to the Andrew Undum Podcast. I'm here with a phenomenal guest who's been on the program before. It's been about a year and a few months since the first time I ever did a podcast in the studio. And I'm with my good friend, amazing entrepreneur, Kevin Jablon. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. So Kevin, last time we talked about a lot of things, your journey, creating Spartan Surfaces, the roller coaster of emotions, the floor and decor journey, being acquired by the public company. And can you even believe it's been over a year? No, it feels like that was three weeks ago. I know. And that, if you haven't seen that episode, we'll, we'll put up the link. And what was really cool for me, after doing that with you, just asking you the questions I wanted to ask and just catching up with a friend, um, so many people started messaging me. Oh my God, that was such a good podcast. Hey, my manager just sent this out to the whole sales team. And it had an impact on people because it was just real. Listen, from my perspective... It's still like pinch myself every day that I have anything to share that someone's going to be interested in. Um, I constantly absorb content. Um, you know, my kids will make fun of me because I'm scrolling all the time. And really for me, I'm just constantly looking for the next level of motivation and inspiration. Like I'm, this isn't a tire pump for you, but I, but I was talking, we were talking about it earlier. Like I don't have a great attention span. To me, you have to be really interesting for me to stay completely engaged. Um, probably at times a strength and a weakness. Sure. But when I watch your stuff, I watch it from the beginning and I always watch it to the end. And I was telling you earlier, just the simple stuff. I don't, the, the big stuff is great. The morning thoughts in the morning on the way to work, all, all, that, all that stuff inspires me. Yeah, well, I'm always putting it out there. It's part of being an entrepreneur in 2022, moving into 2023. I believe you have to get attention. You have to have something to say. You have to give people a reason to care and the reason I wanted to have you back, and I said, Kevin, please come back to the podcast studio. It's been over a year. And of course, we were like, yeah, dude, I'm in, is I want to know what's changed, what you've learned, what some of the lessons have been along the way from you were the head honcho. No one could tell you what to do. CEO, sole owner, Spartan Surfaces. And now that it's been a year, you've been living, um, I guess, under a corporate regime. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that is a, necessarily a bad thing. What are some of the key things that are, are different in your life? What lessons have you learned? Just take us through a little bit of the journey of not being the guy who calls every shot, but being one of the guys that calls the shots. Well, for, first and foremost, um, I started Spartan in 07. I sold in 21, played with my own money that entire time. So when people ask me, what's the difference in 2022 versus that whole run that we had? I would say that the intensity today, we're competitors. Right. So I would say the intensity today is a 10. It was a 10 before. It hasn't changed. It might be a different focus um, being part of a public company, but my intensity, I love the process. I love the work. I love keeping, I love keeping score, um, which is obviously in a revenue box. But I also, my stress all those years, were a 10. I worked with this manic, 
you know, constant fear of failure, even though every good entrepreneur says, fail, fail fast, don't be afraid to fail, a loss isn't a loss, it's a lesson. It was all bullshit to me. I was scared to death to fail. I always felt like I crashed a party that I wasn't invited to. Um, that was the big thing for me. So the level, all the words that we talked about for the 15 years that I owned Spartan were ambition, sacrifice, hustle, um, Spartan versus everyone. And it was all around this idea that you had to be the most ambitious person in the room, work the hardest, work the smartest. And we just had our national sales meeting last week. I think 15 years into it, 16 years into it now, we don't have to reiterate that. Everybody right. knows that that's our culture. Um, but what I felt probably felt the most proud of was our first na our first big national sales meeting. When I sold the business, we had just over 100 employees. I think there was 170 of them at our awards banquet. What I heard from a lot of people this week was gratitude, kindness, moving with grace. Um, it was just a different. So all of the stuff that we used to talk about, it sort of goes without saying now. Like in order to be great, you have to outwork the room. You have to be a student of the game. You have to study it. You can't just be a good dude. You have to have it all. You have to be strategic. You have to know how to build relationships. You have to know how to network in the space. But all that being said, there has to be a level of kindness and grace to just how you move in day to day. And that's really where I saw the difference this year. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of celebrations. But it was people really feeling grateful for where they put themselves in their careers. But Spartan's just a vehicle to help them get there. Yeah, so now that you're with Floor and Decor, you feel like, obviously, the intensity is still a 10. So I know you're playing for championships, and we talked about that last time. But that... The stress maybe a little bit less. Let, let's let's call it a two point five. The stress two point five. The, the, the stress. Um, yeah, I would I would say where the stress was always a ten before. Because it's not your you're not playing with only it's, your it's, bank. It's, it's not even that because the money is almost secondary at this point. Right. I'm still responsible and one of the people responsible for 170 families that are eating off of Spartan. I just think the game has slowed up. Um, for me. So at this stage of the game, a lot more resources. We are a separate subsidiary. So we were really, really able to keep our culture. And Floor and Decor was really protective. They, they did their homework when they bought us. Right. They, they knew that the special sauce for Spartan was the strategy, but more important, it was the culture. It was the people. We say it all the time. We're not in the flooring business. We're in the people business. That still holds true today. So to their credit, they haven't tried to change things. They've tried to add on and give us synergies to help us scale, um, to help us be more profitable. I don't have enough good things to say. I could have sold the company to 50 different companies. I think I sold it to the best possible company to have purchased us, to really, to respect what we do, to allow us to remain independent and still have that entrepreneurial spirit. Well, you don't get to where you are without making good decisions. So you got... Another good one there, as history shows. So you're a wholly owned subsidiary, yes, which is kind of cool. Now, are you still? Do you call all the shots for Spartan Services? You're the CEO, yes. or do you have to like? If no, you... no, I'm still the CEO. Um, I lean on my team a lot, so when I so I never call the shots. You know, we're right. we call the shots by committee. Right. I have an incredible CFO. I have an incredible, incredible number two. My mar my VP of marketing, she's amazing. 
down to HR, which is playing a much bigger role these days. Um, I just have an incredible team. Um, I have a really, really good team. But yes, on a day-to-day -day basis, we're not picking up the phone to F&D, um, asking for approval, asking. When we have something big, if we have a big acquisition down the road, of course the board and F&D play a huge role in it because it's corporate dollars. But on day-to-day -day life of Spartan Services, it's pretty similar to how it was post-sale. They want you to pre-sale. Keep doing what you're doing. They yes. liked what you were doing, obviously. Keep doing what you're doing. Now, you mentioned acquisitions. Is Spartan, is that one of the things that potentially could happen? Is Spartan could acquire companies. Definitely. We've already acquired a couple smaller companies, but we're definitely studying the space. That's fantastic. So, like, personally, like, I would like, so business has changed a little bit. You talked, not a whole lot, but you're not playing, stress is down. You got the big back, billion-dollar public company, so you're, you're safe there. You can't really fail miserably, <laughs> whereas before you could have. If you oh, messed yeah. up Spartan, like, oh, that valuation just plummeted. And you got to remember, though, and then I think most entrepreneurs that start a business like I do, you didn't even, you didn't even know what the word valuation meant. Right. So, so the driving force of Spartan was never a valuation. Right. When Florin Decor contacted me in September of 2020, um, I wasn't looking to sell the, meet, the business. I took the meeting out of respect for a friend and mutual supplier. So for, so for me, valuations and P&Ls, that's, that's never driven. That's never been my why. My why was always, let's build something special. Let's build a company where everyone feels vested. Um, obviously, I wanted to make sure my family was taken care of, but I always tell the story. It was always about my family. Right. I, I might even have reiterated this in our first podcast. It was always about my family when I started Spartan. Right. Left corporate America, and I wanted to be able to do better for my family. Real quickly, I think four years into it was when we had our first Thanksgiving party at where we invited spouses and children. Right. And all of a sudden now I have, it's the first time I'm meeting kids. It's the first time I'm meeting spouses. And I had so many people come up to me literally with tears in their eyes telling me that I didn't know what this company meant to their family, to the pride of their spouse or significant other. I had kids coming up telling me that their father was changed since they've been here and they've never seen him so happy and feeling so good. And I remember lying in bed that night and I literally turned to Trish and I'm like, we're fucked. And um, <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it isn't about us anymore. It's about the family and that's where we very very quickly after that we came up with our one core value of we over me and it really is like some people like now with linkedin and everything else all this shit has become so you know what can you say and everyone's saying the same stuff right right culture over strategy we over me we've been living this since 2007 and anyone could fact check me and see that all this stuff that's now become you know, so politically correct and so the right thing to say at the right time, um, especially coming on the other side of COVID where it really is about the employees and about the people. It always was for us. That's just awesome. And again, if you haven't seen that first episode, Kevin goes through the whole lineage of the story of building this company over 21 years, and it's pretty incredible. And now that you know, I know you've been, I've, I saw you speak in, um, I think you were in San Antonio, was yeah. it? Somewhere in Texas. Because you have that undeniable ilk now, like you look, you started it from scratch, made your exit. That's kind of like the whole mecca of an entrepreneur journey. 
you've been asked to speak, and we're talking a little bit, you probably have to turn down more than you accept. When you do give a keynote speech, whether it's in flooring or just to entrepreneurs in general business, what is your talk? Like, what do you, what do you like to hit on? Well, I'll, I'll do real time. The last one I did was in San Antonio, and it really was explaining my why. Like, because as an entrepreneur, you don't really get an opportunity to think backwards. When you're in it, I mean, you're in it right now. Right. So I don't know how much time you spend reflecting on the past. I would have to think very, very little. Yeah. I don't even think you're living in the present. Everything you're probably doing is two and three years ahead right now. And that's where my mind always was. I never lived in the past. I didn't enjoy the present because I always had this constant anxiety about what the future would look like. And that was probably, once again, the gift and the curse. Right. So, so today... Um, I find myself being able to live in the present, which is incredible um, because that you, that's where you should be in business, in your personal life. Sure. But I also, I also find myself reflecting. So the story that I didn't share on the last podcast was, but I did share in my most recent keynote speech, was that after I sold the business, maybe three weeks after I sold the business, I woke up in the middle of the night with an incredible amount of sadness, right? And it wasn't that I had buyer's remorse or seller's remorse sure. for selling the business. The sadness was like, man, I've had a chance to look back and like the last 15 years was just a big blur. And I started writing a letter to my four children, my wife and my parents, separate letters. Right. And just, it was almost like my Jerry Maguire memoir. And it was almost like my apology letter, like, hey, I'm sorry, my ambition was so great. And I was so focused and, and was such a one trick pony that I feel like I missed so much stuff. My oldest son's at college at the time, York College. Can't, can't have a podcast without us two Spartans. YCP um, for life. Life. Um, and my oldest son gets it in York. My daughter, so I'm, I'm downstairs now. I'm an early riser. I'm downstairs. I text all this. It was the longest text in the world. And I'm watching them all read it. My daughter's bawling right in front of me. My, my one son, who doesn't show a ton of emotion, he's just reading it. And he, he's very analytical. So he's probably like, yeah, he's probably like, here you go. But my oldest son sends a text back. He's like, dad, everything all right? He's like, you didn't miss anything. You were at everything. But there's a difference from being there and really being there. Post-sale, I'm really there, right? And that's what I really wanted to share. Like my why was that I'm super competitive. The money is how you keep score. Um, so at the end of the day, I didn't get to, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I know how to get from point A to point Z. My team would make fun of me all the time because I don't know what it takes to getting from B to Y. I just know I want to start here, finish here and then i have an incredible team that does this stuff in the middle right. um but i also was so focused on the win and the ambition was so great that even when i was at a game a lot of times i wasn't at the game right. and so when i'm speaking now it's like hey you think that you wish for this and it was incredible but at the end of the day, I had a lot of sadness when I actually got to think back and reflect and me like, man, I wasn't present for 15 years. So now looking back on that, do you still feel like a void? Like, hey, dude, that that was what I gave up to get where, what I'm getting no, today. I don't think just for me, I'm not smart enough 
to have been able to get from where I started to where to the next chapter, because I don't want to say finish, because I feel like we're just getting started, right. but to the next chapter without having that much ambition and outworking everybody. Some people have the luxury of really being so intelligent. They can keep it all together. They can keep balance. I, I got it. One of the questions at that same, um, one of the questions at the, um, where I spoke in San Antonio, somebody asked me, what do you think about work-life balance? And it was a room full of millennials. Right. So I really had to stop and think before I respond. I'm like, a lot of you are going to hate this answer. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah. but I'm like, I think it's overrated to achieve greatness. If balance is what you're looking for, you can achieve it and have a good life. Maybe a great life. That's a bad example. A great life. But have good success in business. But I think like to try to be one of the best to ever do it in your space, whatever that space is, I think there's going to be a lot of sacrifice and you're going to miss a lot of shit. Of course. And you did share that on the last one. Not, I mean, I like the way you just shared it there even better because now you're reflecting a year later. This was semi-fresh when we did that first interview yeah. and it's still with you. Like that stuff doesn't go away. No. And that'll be with you to the day you die. You'll be 90. You'll be like, man, did I work too hard those 16 years? That's when my four kids, Kevin's got four. And I'm kind of going through it right now with three. I was just telling my wife today, I said, I'm going to commit to like, when I get home, when we do dinner, my phone's going away and then bedtime, it's got to go away too. Cause I'm a psycho with it. Same. I can't get off of it. And then I'm not really there. And what you're just describing, I heard, I think it was Rob Deerdick said, your mindset is only in four places. You're either dwelling on the past. That's no good because you're just dwelling. Yeah. Or you're trying to rectify something. That means you're present, but you're still in the past. You're trying to rectify something that happened. So he calls that um, past present. Or you could be thinking about the future, your present future. You're still present, but you're working on something in the future. And then the final is you're just dreaming. Yep. He said, you got to toggle between two and three. Don't just dwell in the past and not do anything because you're not present. Don't just wish for things. You're either in one of those two spaces. And some of that hit me, but that's probably where you were most of the time as an entrepreneur. You're dealing with all these issues. You're present, but you're also somewhere else. Yeah, always. And your presence was focused on solutions and doing things, not just actually your life moving around. I yet. think a lot of it was just creating, right? I think it's like this. Um, I knew nothing about podcasts. Right. Um, but I just saw what was going around in the rest of the country, especially like the big MSAs. And I'm just seeing like this phenomenon of how I'm spending my time. I'm not watching a lot of shows or a lot of movies. I'm watching a lot of podcasts, not even listening to a lot of podcasts. Oh, sure. I'm watching a lot of podcasts. I'm like, man, let's build a podcast studio. I knew nothing about the coffee business. Shout out to the coffee bar and the incredible it's the best place down, downtown Bel Air. I hit it every time. And the incredible employees upstairs. Um, but for me, I saw a void of a really cool coffee shop on Main Street. Um, so to me, come up with the idea, find really good people on your team that can help you execute. And I think that's, I think that's been the story of my life. Well, so what's next for you? Last time you hinted at, you know, you said you were writing a book, still hasn't came out. Um, I wrote one, between, I didn't even have the idea. We wrote one with the Forever Agent Proclamations. That's a different story. But you were gonna do 2.0 CEO. And I know you got a lot of good ideas with podcasts. We're still waiting. People want more Jablon content. We can't get you, though. Well, I can get you. You, you can get me. <laughs> and at the end of the day, right now, my focus business-wise is on making Spartan Services the best possible company um, to work for, right? Not even to work with, 
to work for. First and foremost, it's about the employees. Right. So we want to make sure that this is the best possible place to work. Our parent company has given us a lot of tools to get there. And then um, we're super competitive. So, you know, right now we talk in the words of M's and millions, but, you know, now the conversations are around B's and billions. So, like, it's exciting to think that someday Spartan Services could potentially be a billion-dollar-plus company. How That just sounds so cool. Can you just say a B? He's a billy killer. He wants to be a billy boy. Well, um, I got to tell you, some of my friends from New York are now employees of Spartan. Shout out to Brett Barry. He's one that comes to mind. He's from uh, New ba- York. Boston in the house. Yeah, he's the man. And everyone just loves working there. And that's, this was this was um, this happened since between the two podcasts. He goes, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be working for Spartan Services." Dude, I just sent a text to Kevin. I said, I'm going to hook you up with the CEO right now. I like putting that pressure on him too. <laughs> of course. I'm like, hey, seriously, don't take this seriously. Nah, listen, we have a bunch of there, there's something about York, um, the grit. Um, it, it's not like going to Yale. Um, it's not. Maybe it's the Yale of York, uh, but it's not like going to Ivy League school or even big school like Michigan Raw School of Business. But there's this level of grit and realness that comes from your college that was there then that still exists today that I think there's a lot of people like us from York, which I would say is lifelong underdogs. Right. I never looked at myself as the favorite. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't even like to look at us as the favorite now. I always looked at us as the underdog. And I think that's a York College mentality. Well, yeah. I mean, you had no nepotism to get to where you are. It's not like your grandparents no. were big in flooring. <laughs> no. It, no one in my family is in real estate. But it does take a, a kind of scrappy person, especially if you're going to survive on Jackson Street for three years. Mm. Get out of there in four three, years. Well, how about I was there for a lot longer. So, <laughs> uh, But it was, it was the best five plus years of my life. So what are... Well, I know your son's playing soccer there. Are you actively involved with your college outside of going to the soccer games? I'm sure there. I, sh- I should be more. Um, it's his trip right now. Right. I don't want to be involved while he's there. Sure. But I have a sense of loyalty to the school, and I think once my kids are removed from York, you, you'll see me more involved with the college. And the you should university. be up there speaking at that entrepreneurship class because I know for me as a kid going to that college, it's one thing to hear the professors and they're great, but when you bring in a guy who speaks like Kevin, it's just real. And I love that Kevin gave me a piece of advice. I'll share this. We were driving down. Black Lincoln Navigator picks us up. Kevin's like, we're going to Tagliata. It's a great time, right? I'm like, yes. And I said, Kevin, I got all these. Give me a couple tips. I got to go talk in front of these people. Like, how do you prepare? And he just goes, dude, son, just be the realest person in the room. And that was it. That was his advice. And I said, okay. But that, when I let that sit... Uh, it landed for me. But bringing someone who's just real and authentic as, a, as the day is long, that's what resonates with people because everyone's got the good bullshit detector. And you can't, you can't slide anything past them. I, I listen, I, I think um, I love, there's going to be a day where hopefully I am teaching some classes. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd like it to be there. My son's an entrepreneurial major there. Yeah, you can't. This, this yeah. is his. The last thing he wants is his dad coming into school. That's his space. So no, um, I'm not doing that now. Someday it's going to be great. Right now, we got a big task on our hands to um, hopefully rewrite the history books on um, the commercial flooring industry and how we disrupt it. So like headquartered in Bel Air, which is amazing, right? <laughs> We're so proud that literally um, and. Bel Air has to understand. We have people, I, I had people in the office this past week that were in from Shanghai. We've had people from Singapore, all over Europe that come into Bel Air. And um, Bel Air shows so well 
um, forever we thought we had to put them up down in Harbor East right. um, and do the whole Baltimore thing. And we've just embraced Harford County. We've embraced Main Street in Bel Air. And um, we're just really proud of it here. And when people come, there's there's it takes them back a little bit to what a Main Street in a small suburban town um, should look like. So I'm, I'm really proud of where we live. You know, it's funny, when I have guests here, I've been bringing some of the Berkshire Hathaway execs here, and they say the same thing, like, this is incredible. He's like, you live in Mayberry. Right, exactly. So like, you live here, and then we take them back, and I show them our neighborhood and the golf course and hang out there. He's like, I remember Alan Dalton, shout out to my, my buddy. He goes, Andrew, I just want to tell you this. No one's living like you. He's like, you're living on Main Street. You got the studio. Like, he just loves it, and it does make you feel proud now i have to ask this when you were acquired how many employees were at spartan we were just right around 110 and how many are there now right around 170 and where do you see it like is there you just want to keep acquiring and growing organically both um i would say organic more than acquisition um but sky's the limit at this point um you know you want to make sure that as you scale you scale responsibly um you want to make sure that you're paying attention to the bottom line and you don't fall in love with the old revenue is vanity and profit is sanity, right? You want to make sure that you're focused, that, you know, you're not just doing things to drive top line business, but it makes good business sense. But, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great opportunity in our space. There's a lot of really good companies that we compete against too. So, um, we have our niche, but there's a lot of different people in our space that, um, have really done a good job. So, um, I'm proud of our industry, and that's it's in a million years. You know, when you're in college, you might think you're going to end up in tech right. or in finance, maybe even pharmaceuticals. Right. Uh, maybe the kids now they're they're excited about cannabis or For whatever sure. whatever it is the new hot space. In a million years, I never thought it would be flooring. I don't think anyone wakes up and dreams about being in the flooring business. I can only say it's been incredible for my family. I think it's been incredible for a lot of people's family. And um, I'm really proud of our industry. Hey, you can make it in any industry, especially when you think about things that everybody needs. Everyone will always need flooring. Yes. It kind of falls into the real estate scope, but a lot does. Everyone's going to need LED lights. You, there's billionaires selling LEDs, camera equipment, podcast studios, you name it. Coffee cups. Absolutely. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for the people of Bel Air. We want to know what Kevin wants to invest in next. You already put up this amazing building on Main Street. You guys know 5 North Main. It's got the beautiful wreaths up there. It's the best looking building on the block. Thank you. You got cool stuff everywhere. We were just hanging out with uh, Westy's company. Shout out to uh, Mr. Westerveld. He's got a cool company. Awesome space on the first floor. You know, you're talking about bringing all these people international to Bel Air. Like, when the, I want to see the Jablon Hotel. I want to know. Well, I want to see the Undham Hotel because um, I, we need a good hotel in town. But I don't know if I'm the person to deliver it. Well, you're the one. You're bringing all these international people. I bring some people in here and there. But I think, you know, you have 170 employees. Technically, we have like uh, 28 people. So we're counting on you for that. But maybe. Is there any other areas like you're thinking of investing? Because once you have, if it's okay, I just want to talk to you about, look, you're, now you're a wealthy guy. It is what it is. That's what happens when you're successful in business. There's like this responsibility there. Like, hey, you can't just let it sit there. What are you doing? Anything changed on that front now that you've sat with that nut? No, I think um, right now it's a difficult time out there. It is. Um, with everything going on between inflation, interest rates, the market. So um, cash is king, right? And cash is king in business. But I think in this time, even in the investing world, I think cash is king. So we're super conservative right now. We're sort of just letting this time pass. But there's a lot of opportunity out there too. So um, 
I'm very bullish on commercial real estate. I'm very bullish on main streets. Um, I think Bel Air has the potential. And I'm very bullish where I live because I want to give back to our own community. So for me, I'm looking for people. Anyone that has a business on Main Street in Bel Air and they're looking to sell it, please give us a call. Call Lindsay Creed. She's my work wife. She runs this place. And... Um, or call me directly because we're super interested in commercial real estate on Main Street. Yeah, Lindsay's very responsive too. You can you can just start messaging Five North Main Podcast Studio. She'll respond right away. Yeah, she's on she's on her game. I sometimes um, I don't know who works for who. Sometimes I think maybe I work for her. She's good. I want to see more social media out of you guys in, in general, just because you can make flooring industry cool. Spartan already has a reputation within the industry, but just for the world at large, like you guys do cool stuff. You're always doing fun stuff. And I love watching your content too. I just want more Kevin. I want to challenge well, you. Well, well, it's funny you said that. Um, we went to see Gary V and Tony Robbins speak maybe four years ago. I brought one of my clients, a couple people from Spartan, and we had a one-on, we had like, we were part of a maybe a eight-on-one with Gary V. And one of my one of my, our executives in the company said to Gary V, he's like, "Hey, um, is it possible to make flooring cool?" And he turned and thought about it for like three seconds and said, "No." And so, <laughs> so, you, so there's a challenge there, right? Because if we can make flooring cool, then we can go back and find that little bit from Gary V, and I'm I'm sure you could put something really creative together. I want to know what he said after that because he said no, but. But something, because he, he no, can he, make anything he's, cool. He said no, but you should be collecting baseball cards. That's cool. So, yeah, so that's that, what you heard, Kevin. Yeah, that was pretty much it. No, because, you know, the content world is so crazy. Let me tell you what happened today. I get my son a haircut, and I said he did such a good job. We went into Royal Farms, three-year-old kid. I said, get whatever you want. I took him right to the candy aisle. It's a cool thing to do as a dad for a three-year-old. He gets this, that, and I said, dude, I'm going to give you a surprise to eat a for real, those things in Royal Farms, a little milkshake. Well, I tag them in it, an Instagram story. It'll disappear tomorrow, whatever. And I tagged Royal Farms. They messaged me on the way in here. They said, hey, thanks for sharing. So now Royal Farms is sharing me to all their people. I messaged Royal Farms back on Instagram, say, hey, I own one of the biggest Berkshire Hathaway teams in the state. We do a lot of marketing. What, we should probably think about doing things together. I'm a Baltimore guy. I know the owner of Royal Farms is at the Maryland Club, and we have some mutual friends. They said, send me an email right here with your ideas. So it's all about taking action. And I know you've taken action your whole career, and it's just those little things like that. I get those daily reminders. Who's to say in two months, Sure Group's got some little app, open house. Everyone who buys a house with us gets X to free car washes at Royal Farms, something. Maybe free fried chicken. Well, yeah, just at least a little four piece. A little four, <laughs> Solid, <laughs> you know? strong. All right, I want to wrap it up with this because I just, these are some of the questions I actually wanted to ask. That was more of my catch up session just to hang out with a friend. Is there anything, because now you're working with this other extremely talented executive team, and you're learning from just the top brass and all these different verticals that go along with these giant businesses. Florin Decor is what, like 13 billion or something? And I think they're about five. Okay, well, yeah, multiple billion dollar company. So you're talking with like the best accountants, the business staff people, the P&L people, the marketing people. What have you learned since being at Florin Decor? You said, damn. If I would have known that when I was scaling my company, I would have been a lot better off. Was there anything that was like, man, these guys got their stuff together on a different level that I haven't seen before? Well, there's multiple things. But first and foremost is there's a gentleman that I work with very closely. And when we first started working together, um, shout out to Brian Robbins. When we first started working together, he, he, he has an, he's had a great career. He came from GE, um, worked under Jack Welsh. 
some private equity, Home Depot. Um, he's done a lot in his career. But we would have to make a board presentation, which I never had a board at Spartan. Right. And the amount of time that we put into the deck and into the presentation, I thought he was insane. I literally was like, I can't believe I'm giving this much of my day, my week, to prepare for what's going to be a 45-minute at most presentation. He had me so prepared, and I'd made the presentation. He had me so prepared to go into that boardroom that the second time I had to make a presentation, he was on a little bit of a hiatus, and we had to put it together ourselves. I found myself, without him involved, putting as much time into the presentation. So there's a level of work that needs to go into something that, for me, because I this is my business, it's in my head. Right. I'd never prepared that hard for a meeting in my life. I was just, to me, I almost could argue on the other side that it took away from the authenticity sure. when it was that. He had me so prepared we knocked it out of the park. And um, I would say that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is you have to go with your gut. You have to go with your instincts. But there's a level of data and preparation that can go into decisions that I didn't really use before. Before it was all gut. It was all ambition. It was all, you know, let's, you know, let's roll the dice. Let's take, op let's take chances. And in this world, it's much more calculated risk. And I don't think the word calculated was ever part of my vocabulary the first 15 years. Yeah, you're a gunslinger. That's exactly well, right. Well, I'm going to ask you what else. I'll give you a minute to think um, because that's a great example. And I'm finding myself, and I'm talking to some of these corporate people at Berkshire Hathaway, look, I'm a 1099 real estate agent in Baltimore. I don't really have to prepare for much. I know how to prepare for a home seller, a home buyer. We're good at moving property. But when you're going to go speak to you know, 1,200 agents around the country, you better be prepared a little bit. And I'm getting that in a micro dose because it's not close to what you're doing, presenting to a board of a billion dollar company. But I find a lot of calm in knowing I'm prepared. Because when you're really prepared, there is no pressure. Right. And when you know what you're talking about, there's no pressure. I remember asking my dad one time, and he speaks around the world, a scientist. Um, he's a Hopkins full professor. Shout out to my dad. And he said, Andrew, I just, when, you don't have to be nervous about anything. You're, I always thought, I'm just explaining like my family tree. No one's going to tell me I'm wrong. Exactly. That's my mom. That's my dad. That's like with me in real estate. No, this is what you do for a seller. This is how you comp the house. This is the sales process. And it's all about being prepared. But if you just show up and wing it, that's how you crash and burn. So I would think the other thing that I thought was so cool is that the CEO of Florent Decor, who has the most amazing story, Tom Taylor, CEO headquartered in Atlanta. I think there's somewhere around 180 stores. He still takes the time and walks every store. So like that's the street level. And for me, like I'm a street level guy. Like our whole business was based on interfacing with the customer. Right. Right. Not via Zoom, not via Teams. It was being in a different city, a different day with the client, architect, designer, developer, flooring contractor, GC. It was constant interfacing. And to see him at this stage of his career still walk every store and meet with the tile specialist and the sundry specialist and the pro desk and to see that level of still being tied to the street it lets me know that no matter how big we get that you can't make these decisions and run the business from bel-air you have to get into the weeds and what happens in our, we're a national company we're scaling to a national business so what happens in manhattan 
is different than what goes on in Raleigh, is different than what happens in Fort Lauderdale, and is different than what's happened in Minneapolis. So in order for you to really understand the nuances of different MSAs and different marketplaces, you have to be in the street. The day that I think I can make decisions from my office or from a team's call is the day I've lost complete touch with what it really means to dominate in this space and to be connected to this space. Well, everything's local. That's the, that's the thing with real estate in particular. They always say, hey, all real estate's local. But at the end of the day, if you're honest with yourself, particularly when you're selling a product, everything's local. Yeah. Because the marketplaces are so different. Like the United States, if you chopped it up like Europe, like these people are different. Let's just be the South's a little different. The West Coast is a little different. Listen, we'll, 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 we'll sort of go on a sidebar right here. I read a lot, and I know you do. Um, but I read the most recent El Chapo book. And one of the coolest things about the whole, I mean, say what it is, but El Chapo, that was a pretty incredible story. Empire. And one of the coolest things about that empire was that anytime he moved into a different country, he did, or even a, a different region, he didn't try to change it. So it was all the same. He knew that Colombia needed to move different than Mexico. You know, the east coast of the U.S. needed to move differently than the west coast of the U.S. And I think that I actually was... Um, this is not name dropping, by the way, because I'm a 2.0 student from York College. But I did a gist at Columbia Business School for a week. Mm -hmm. um, it was you know, some type of executive program. And one of the, we, we, went into, we went into subgroups. And one of the challenges were we were marketing a beer. And do we market the beer differently for each country that it's in? Or do you do have one marketing message that can resonate throughout the entire world? And... Um, it was a trick question. There wasn't a right answer. Right. Um, but I'm one that I don't believe in one message throughout the world, unless you have something that's so unique, like an iPhone. Right. right. If you have something like that, it's one message. It's a clear message throughout the world. But in our world, every state has its different nuance. Every city, for that matter. What, oh, yeah. The way Philadelphia moves is different than the way Pittsburgh moves. Um, we're so close to DC and Baltimore and DC are two separate marketplaces. So to me, it's a long way of saying you need to be in the street. You need to be where the decision-making is happening. Um, no matter what level you are in the business, you have to stay in touch. Well, now I got to know when you were influencing this group, let's see how good you really are, Kevin. When you said, hey, it's got to be different for every marketplace and you're pitching, is that what your group went with? We, it was. It okay. Was. How did you do? We did good. I mean, we, 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 we did pretty good. Um, we didn't go with a different marketing for every country. We broke it down into three different buckets and said, based off of, you know, sort of the features and benefits of right, each so marketplace, we're, we're going to go with put each country in a different bucket. So we had three marketing stories as opposed to one. Yeah, because you got to be able to execute on it and you can't get it all convoluted. 100%. Well, Kevin, one of the things I love about you is that you're always learning. And you talked about it on the last podcast. This guy's going to Columbia Business School. You're doing stints at Harvard. I think that got canceled because of COVID. But you're always doing that continuing ed, clearly not because you have to. No. And no one's expecting you to do it. It's because you want to do it. And those are the type of people I want to be around. You know, they always say, hey, there's, you're like the five people you hang around with most. I want to be around people like that. And anyone can be like that if you convince yourself that, hey, no matter where you are in your career, you can just take from everything. Like we can take what Spartan's doing and bring it into our real estate practice, bar none, just with the culture, how they do the meetings, how they reward people, how you treat people. 
if one day we get acquired, I'm sure when that comes down the road, if it does, I'm not even sure if I want that, but if it came up, I'd call you and say, what, is this stupid? And you have to have people like that. So I really appreciate you, A, taking the time to come out again. Always. Great catching up with you. And um, I just know that everyone's going to love this, uh, this content and we're going to have to do it again and I'll be more prepared. This was my catch-up session after a year, but I could go into a lot of directions and really drill down on you because um, the devil's in the details with a lot of these things, but we'll save that for another time. Is there anything um, else you'd like to add before we shut her down? Yeah, listen, if you're out and you happen to be local um, and you're out on Main Street, come up and grab a latte or a peppermint mocha up at the coffee bar. Um, and if you, this is a plug for our friend Evan that runs the podcast studio. If you have any interest, whether you're high school student, college student, startup business, just a bunch of friends that want to talk fantasy football. Um, if you're looking to do a podcast, come over, check out Five North Main, check out the podcast studio, ask for Evan. And then if you're looking for real estate and you're looking to buy a house anywhere in the Maryland market, Sure Sales Group is the one that will take care of you. And not only will they take care of you, but um, Undum might be one of the best networkers in the state. So if you need something, he knows how to get it. So that's it. Um, no shame. And if you're looking for flooring and you have about 3,000 units or 3,000 square feet, contact Spartan Services. We'll gladly take care of you. Amen. Well, signing off. See you next time. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.